We'll be speaking in reference to him this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And our subject this morning and title is Abraham's Inheritance. You see that in verse 8. And then we see the word heir, heirs, plural, in verse 9. Taken, of course, from the same word. So, head your thoughts in the direction of what is said here in the text concerning Abraham's inheritance. And it's rather ironic that when we speak of heirs, inheritance, or being or inheriting something, that it is not always a positive thing nor a blessing. Because many times these things occur only when somebody else has what? Died. And the saddest part is not that someone has died and left something in a will or an inheritance to somebody else. The saddest part, if you've ever seen, heard, observed, or been a part of some of that, is that sometimes some of the worst behavior of human beings comes out at a time like that. When there is substance to be divided, dispersed, a will to be read or what have you, it can be a very terrible situation uh, because the depravity and greed of sinners seems to come to the forefront many times. Not always. And again, if you've been a part of that or observed that and everything went well, then praise God. Somebody was doing something like it should have been done and the recipients and people had the right attitude. If nobody got mad at other people in the family and wasn't speaking or whatever and had all of that going on, then praise God. But I want to say I think that's kind of rare in our day and time because so much selfishness, greed, and many times all kinds of conspiring and what have you, among families and heirs takes place. So that is very sad. Many times people have lived in anticipation and at such a time as that end up with great disappointment. Some people have seen the will only to find out at the time of the one who's passed on has changed that will and instead of being in, they're out. And people thought that they would never be in, maybe in. Sometimes total strangers are in or charitable organizations. So again, it is surrounded with all kinds of emotions, anticipations, disappointments, uh, blessing, and sadly many times many of the, the sad lacking virtues of human depravity manifest themselves. We know stories and we know them to be true. It's a reality. What many people have done for many years of their life in anticipation of such an event. 
We've heard the phrases, seen it, it's in books, it's in movies, and it's a reality. Well, she married him for his money, or he married her for whatever, or whatever. And some people do this early on and wait years in anticipation of getting something. Sometimes they get it, sometimes they So again, this subject of an inheritance takes us in all directions and encompasses the best and the worst, doesn't it? People have falsified things, people have conspired for things, and people have murdered individuals and still do, all surrounding this thought, idea of inheriting things. And we might also add the Bible is not immune from the realities of the behavior of sinners when it comes to an heir or an inheritance. We're speaking about Abraham's inheritance, but you might remember that when Isaac was born to Sarah and Abraham in their old age, there had already been a son Ishmael by Hagar. Remember that? And Sarah herself then made the statement, that boy's not going to be an heir with my son. It was in this very family. You know, there were issues and problems about an inheritance in that regard. Of course, we know the great emphasis that the Bible puts on being an heir, the firstborn, the birthright. Esau sold his birthright, you know. Literally, that's sending your inheritance down the, down the river, you know, when you do so. And so again, the great blessings of that. What do we have in the book of Kings? All kinds of criminal acts and atrocities that when one king would take the throne, he would do what? Slay all the heirs of whoever there was and had been, you know, to maintain the inheritance of the kingdom and put it in his line. And of course... That carries itself on, don't we? Human history has all kinds of malicious, murderous, conspiratory acts of people doing to preserve the throne, the power, the kingdom with their heirs. And a lot of the ways you do that is just simply eliminating everybody else by some murder. So, so again, I'm just bringing this to your attention that there's a lot involved here and the Bible is not silent about it. In fact, the Bible even mentions a parable. You know, the Lord talked about a parable, a man who had a vineyard, lent it out to stewards and so forth, and sent servants back to check on that and to get his, you know, what was due him. And what did his servants do? They would slay him, beat him, you know, what have you. And finally, he sent his son, said, well, they'll respect him. And what was their attitude? Ah, this is the heir. Let's just murder him and then it'll all be ours. So this is the type of attitude many times that sadly brings out the worst in people when there is a quote-unquote inheritance or something to be had. Everybody's familiar with Luke 15 and the prodigal son, right? I mean, he wanted his now. He didn't want to wait. And you see the two attitudes of the two sons and it was all about what? Revolving around the inheritance of their father. And even in the New Testament, if you want to turn with me, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 12, that really is the verses that lead up to the parable of the rich man with the barns. And here in Luke chapter 12, in verse 13, 
It says, One of the companies said unto him, Jesus, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And then note very particular here, Jesus' words about an inheritance or substance like this. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now again, we've seen the attitudes and know of the greed of human nature and it is revolving around one of the Ten Commandments. Covetousness. You know, wanting something. And covetousness is greed. That's what it is. So again, think about this. This individual came to Jesus and said, Master, make my brother give me what, you know, what's he concerned about? He didn't come for truth. He didn't come for salvation. He didn't come because Jesus was the Son of God. He came for himself. The rich young ruler came asking about inheriting eternal life and left saddened because he could not meet the conditions. He was greedy and wanted to keep what he already had. These words here that Jesus gave is the setup or the precursor to the parable of the man who had the barns going to tear them down, build more, and the Bible calls him, Jesus called him a fool because what are you going to give in exchange for your own soul which will be required of you this night. So, again, all kinds of bad stuff can surround an inheritance. It's just, I mean, it's sad, but sometimes it, you may have been around or seen people, you know, well, so-and-so sick in a family member. They perk right up, you know, if there's something to be had. Same of the stories, people win the lottery, and man, you find out, Ken, folks, you never knew you had, right? So they say. But nevertheless, Abraham's inheritance was very different. And that's what we want to talk about today. The Bible reveals it there in the text. In fact, Abraham's inheritance, according to the Scripture, was unique. More unique than any inheritance there ever has been. It was not normal. It was more abnormal than any inheritance we've ever seen or know of. And in the same sense, it was superior to every inheritance that anybody could ever have. And we're going to look at the things that will substantiate what I just said about it. The blessing of Abraham's inheritance is that if you are a child of God, your inheritance is his inheritance. One exception. If you're not directly the seed of Abraham, then you don't have any part of the land that was given to Abraham. But if you are a person of faith, as Abraham was, which is superior to being a Jew, then again, the same things that were his will one day be yours. What he looked for is what we look for. And so let's look at those things. The first thing about Abraham's inheritance that we glean from the Scripture is that it was not a normal inheritance in that his father, Terah, did not give it to him. Most people receive an inheritance from their parents sometimes from another member of the family or so forth, or even a friend. But Abraham's did not come from his father, Terah. So that makes it very different and unique. Abraham received his inheritance 
directly from the hand of God. And he received an inheritance that nobody before him had ever received and nobody after him will ever have the promise of an inheritance like Abraham did. His son Isaac and his son Jacob had the same promises given to them, but Abraham's was first, so it stands out as the most unique. God called one man, made a covenant with one man, and promised one man what he had never promised any other man and has not promised to anybody else like him except his subsequent heirs. So it's the most unique, unusual thing in a sense. I don't want to say that God has ever done, but as far as an inheritance, it is that God has ever done. In that, we recognize a very important thing about an inheritance. That since God is the giver, he has the sovereign discretion of giving the inheritance. And one thing you need to understand about an inheritance of any kind is if it is a true inheritance, that's what it is. It is an act of giving by someone who has to some other party and it is really not with any obligation. If you have something and possess something, you can legally give it to whomever you want to. That's your decision. If you've just got some possessions and it's to you and your heirs, then if nothing is specified, then when you die or whatever, your heirs are going to get it or squabble over it or divide it or whatever they're going to do. But the point is, it is an act of grace. And this is what people don't get. People squabble covetously, greedily over something that really they don't even have a right to, really. You may say, well, I'm, he's my father, she's, he's my, she's my mother, and this. So what? Just because you're the sibling and the legal heir doesn't mean they have a right to give it to you. It's theirs. They can do whatever they want to. And people don't seem to ever think of that. Whether you had a good relationship with this person or a bad relationship with them, there's no obligation because it's an act of giving. There's no law that says you have to give everything to whatever other than the ones that are there civilly to legally hand down things in a normal way. So, God had sovereign discretion and He chose one man whose name was Abram and gave him this promised inheritance unlike anything He'd ever give anybody else. Now, the inheritance itself was not the normal earthly substance inheritance. Most people leave their assets, their money, their bank accounts, their lands, their cars, their this, their that, whatever, right? God didn't give Abraham that type of inheritance. But he did give him something very unique. He just gave him a big chunk of the earth. I mean, think about it. He gave him a portion of planet Earth. In fact, the Scripture says, Abraham, look, as far as you can see, he said this in Genesis 15, 18, 19, Every, as far as you can see, any direction, I'm giving this land to you and then to your heirs and your seed after you. That's my covenant with you. That was the grace of God. God didn't have to. God chose to. And he chose the person he was going to give it to. Sovereign discretion. 
in that regard. And in the 13th chapter of Genesis, 14 through 17, it says it's from the great river of Egypt, which is the Nile, all the way to the Euphrates River. Abraham's seeds still have the title deed to that land. And one day, they're going to have it all to themselves. We'll see that happen. But, just think about it. He didn't get the inheritance most people got. He got something superior. Yet, he never owned it by title deed. He never possessed it. His inheritance was during his life, owned, possessed, belonged, and was inhabited by others. That's a pretty strange inheritance, isn't it? In other words, it never actually was really his. And yet, it's still his today and to his seed. So very unique. He did not, in that sense, literally receive or possess his inheritance like some people do. You know, when it's divvied up, okay, this much money goes to you, this much land goes to you, um, this many cars, this many this, the paintings, pictures, furniture, whatever it is, it's all divvied up, and you actually possess it. You can actually sit in the chair. You can actually look at the painting. You can actually drive the car. You can actually walk in the land and do what you... You know, Abraham didn't. Yet he had a bigger inheritance than anybody's ever did from the Nile to Euphrates. He just didn't have a signed over title deed to it. But yet he had a deed recorded in a place that's still there to this day. Very unique. Most people possess their inheritance. He did. Stephen mentioned this in that great message in Acts chapter 7 and verse 5 where he starts off with Abraham in the first verses there and it says there and he gave him none inheritance in it no not so much as to set his foot on yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession to his seed after him when as yet he didn't have a child it says there no not so much as to set a foot on that means he did not own by a title deed one square foot of it in the human sense legally quite amazing isn't it our text says, in spite of not owning it or possessing it, ruling in it, that he sojourned in it. That's pretty strange too. Given an inheritance, it never really becomes yours in your lifetime. You're just like a renter with it. You really can't do what you want to, how you want to, when you want to, or what have you. Uh, you can't put down roots because even though it's yours, it's really not yours. That's, that's a strange inheritance, is it? So our text says he sojourned in it. Abraham lived a nomadic life, as you know. And the text says that he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. It was his but it was a strange country because others inhabited it, did what they want to in it, fought over it, possessed it, lost it, all of that, and he dwelt in tabernacles as well as Isaac and Jacob. There was no place he could build a house and call it a home. That's the bottom line, even though God gave it to him. He did not have that liberty, did he? He lived in tents. He was a nomad. He moved around in it. It was his according to God's promise. 
but yet it wasn't his in the sense he could possess it and do what he wanted to with it at his discretion. That's a pretty strange inheritance again, isn't it? Very unique. And then, of course, Abraham, since he did not in the literal sense possess it, use it as he would, make decisions with it, Abraham did not have the power to leave it to Isaac. How can you leave it for an inheritance to your son if you really don't have it? But the unique thing is about this inheritance, as God gave it to him, God said, I'm going to give it to your son and his son and their sons and on down the line. God kept handing Abraham's inheritance down through the ages to his successors. That's we never seen anything like that with inheritance. Father or mother passes it off to one, then it's in that person's hands to do what they want to with it. The next generation, no, not so with this one. It was his, as I said, but it wasn't his to do with as he pleased, but God did that for him. I'm giving it to you and to your seed, and it's always going to be theirs. I'm just going to take care of it for you, Abraham. Pretty unique again. God did that. So he couldn't hand it off in that respect. And then uniquely, verse 10 says, and notice there in verse 9, I just covered this. He dwelt in those with Isaac and at Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. So they inherited what he inherited, but he didn't give it to them. When God gave it to Abraham, he gave it to Isaac. He gave it to Jacob. He gave it to Jacob's 12 sons. And he gave it to everybody else that came down the line from those 12 tribes. That's a strange inheritance, is it not? But again, far superior. And then verse 10 tells us that Abraham's focus was not on specifically the literal land that God gave him. Now again, everything I've discussed here is unique, supernatural, and of a different dimension than most inheritances. I mean, people can't wait to get their hands on the inheritance, can they? To get their greedy fingers on it. And like I say, some people live their lives in anticipation of quote-unquote getting rich or inheriting something that's going to enhance their life, make their life better, make them happy. They're going to get to a place that they could get no place else. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it all falls flat. What a miserable way to live your life, right? Abraham, I mean, think about it. Abraham was given... As far as he could see, he sojourned, traveled around in it from the Nile to the Euphrates. And yet Abraham, we don't read where he was focused, consumed, anxious, worrying, or obsessed about, okay, how's this going to happen? What do I need to do? Uh, What do I need to tell Isaac? How uh, You know, I mean, like most people humanly would be. He was not unappreciative. But Abraham, of course, was a man of faith. By faith, Abraham. The father of the faith. And when you have faith, your faith don't look down at the ground here on planet Earth. It looks up where God is. The giver of all good things that are here on planet Earth. And so verse 10 tells us, 
He looked for a city. Not between the Nile and the Euphrates. Not one that he would build. Not one that Isaac would build. Not one that his seed would build. He didn't have that greedy architectural mind like many people do. Bigger and better than everybody else. He looked for a city that couldn't be found between the Nile and Euphrates. He looked for a city and a dwelling place not on the land he was given, but in the future, in the heavenlies. A city whose foundations, whose builder, whose architect, whose maker is God. Abraham is a pattern for how we should live our lives. God gives to his people richly. But those things that he gives us should not cause us to worship them, idolize them, cling to them, or any of those things. But to only cause us to give thanks to God while we're here and recognize there's a lot better things than that awaiting us in glory and in the heavenlies. Abraham's faith was great. How many people you think could be given a kingdom of any kind, be given wealth of any kind, be given a million dollars of any kind, and look at it as just a trivial thing and say, I got something better than that? Not many. In fact, the only people who can do that is people of faith. Everybody else will be consumed with the greed of it. And we know this from human history. Kingdoms have been handed down. Lands have been handed down. Wealth has been handed down. Some are good stewards of it. Others waste it immediately like the prodigal. Most try to live their life in the bliss of it. But not many like Abraham look beyond it and say, This is all well and good. And God has blessed me here. And I'm not really going to have it in this life. But i got something far better than what's down here. That's Abraham's inheritance. Well, the good news is Abraham's inheritance is in a picture of our inheritance. In all of this we've looked and discussed, we, you and I as believers, if you have faith in God, the same faith that Abraham does, the same faith in Christ of salvation, then again, we can live our lives as he did. This is a picture of the inheritance that all of God's children will one day have. All who believe in God, all who believe in Christ. We should live our lives exactly like this. I remind you again, the definition of an inheritance is what is given to one as a possession. Okay? So an inheritance, in its true definition, is an act of grace by someone. And if you get that right, the rest of it's so easy. So easy. You know, I have a son. I have two daughters. All of you have children. And in the natural legal sense, yeah, the natural thing to do is leave anything you have or want to to your most immediate and closest family members like that. But again... You don't have that obligation, do you? There's, there's no biblical obligation. There's no human or legal obligation. You can name some anonymous person on the other side of the world that you looked up in a phone book or on the internet and leave it to them if you want to. Right? So again, get it that the inheritance is at the sovereign discretion of the giver without obligation. 
or else it's not an inheritance. What did the young, the uh, other son say, you know, in the prodigal? Father, I've served you all these years and all this. What's he saying? I deserve the inheritance. Well, it ceases to be an inheritance. If he worked for it, he earned it, and the father's obligated to give it, then it's not an inheritance. He worked for it. If it's works, it can't be of grace. But an inheritance is of grace. And it is no obligation of somebody giving, or it ceases to be that. So God was gracious in that He called one man. He covenanted with one man. He gave to one man and his seed forever an inheritance that nobody else on the face of the earth has ever received and ever will. Outside again of being a picture of God's people. Now this is where, again, people go haywire on earthly things, don't they? Well, I'm the son. I deserve it. I'm the daughter. I'm this. I to death, right? Forgetting that, hey, this, this was theirs. They can do whatever they want to with it. They have that right. I mean, shouldn't we as children, we've all had parents, shouldn't we realize that, hey, mom and dad have a right to do what they want to. And I shouldn't feel left out if they didn't give me nothing. It's theirs to do with. But boy, people get upset and get offended. Not only at not getting something, but not getting enough. Abraham wasn't that type of person. God's people aren't that type of person. Because we know that we deserve nothing and God is just graciously given or we wouldn't have anything. And I think of the uh, parable of the labors and the penny. You remember that about promising the guys? And at the end of the day, they were griping and complaining about what they got. He said, whoa, 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 what's the problem? Didn't we agree? Yeah, but they. (laughs) That's where it all gets out of hand, didn't it? What did you and I agree to? Didn't I give you what I told you I'd give you? You know, put blinders on. Forget about them. I made a deal with you. But the bottom statement in that is... Cannot I do what I will with my own? I mean, we like that right. But we're on the receiving end of it. It don't go over so well sometimes. Well, God can do what He wants with what He wants to do with His own. So as believers, God has been pleased to set His love, affection upon us, to call us unto Him, to reveal Himself unto us to bring us to saving grace through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have an inheritance. Listen to these scriptures concerning our inheritance. You know the Beatitudes, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 5. Blessed are... Let me get it right. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Think about it first for a moment. Are you a believer? Believers are meek people, humble people, recipients of the grace of God. If you're a proud person, you're left out of that verse. We're made meek by the grace of God. God's people, meek people, are going to inherit the earth. Abraham got a big chunk of the earth. We're going to have it all. New heavens and a new earth. Probably you haven't thought about that very seriously, have you? Probably none of us have very seriously. 
God's people's inheritance is the new heaven and the new earth. Not part of it, all of it. It's like we've said before, you know, that we sang the song, This is my father's world. Why are we why do we get so consumed as humans about accumulating stuff down here when it's all going to be ours one day anyway? Amazing, isn't it? The meat will inherit the earth. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, and verse 29. Read and rejoice. Everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for nine names' sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Matthew chapter 25, progressing right on. And verse 24, let me get it right here, 34, I'm sorry. Matthew 25, 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Think about this now. The earth, everlasting life, the kingdom, back in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, we read that you be not slothful, but followers of him, him, them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He didn't obtain the promise of the land, he obtained the promise of having a son in order to have a seed that would be in the land. Promises. We're going to inherit every promise God has made one day going to be ours. Some of them we get now. The best ones probably will come later. And then, back in the very end of your Bible, in chapter 21 of verse Re- Revelation and verse 7, we read these words, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Folks, that is the inheritance of the saints. And while Abraham's inheritance was big from an earthly standpoint, and the covenant and all that was good, look at what I've just read to you. What Abraham really looking for was the things I just talked about. Not the stuff here on planet earth and his seed and all that. That's all well and good. It is good. That's a, it's tremendously good. But it's nothing compared to what will be. That city whose builder and founder is God. Now, we know that as Abraham's inheritance was not of this world, neither is ours. We don't want our inheritance here and now, do we? We got a greater inheritance up there. If we happen to receive an inheritance here from a parent, a sibling, a somebody wealthy, somebody rich, something like that, we praise God for it. We will enjoy that. We should use it to glorify God and give God thanks for providentially blessing us in that manner. But realizing, if I fall over dead, that's the end of my inheritance here. But I got one up there, far superior than what's here. So again, if we're left something, we're blessed with something in the earthly sense of that, praise God. Praise God. What a blessing. But if we leave here a pauper, so what? So what? Guess what's going to be mine? Everything. 
everything. The kingdom, the promises, everything. Abraham sojourned. Even though he had a sure inheritance. And that's what we do, right? We're sojourners here because we're going to receive our inheritance later. Not now. Again, most people want it here and now like the rich young ruler. I mean like the uh, prodigal, right? Give it to me now while I'm young so I can enjoy it. I don't want to wait till I get old, Dad, and have to wait on you to die and then get it and then not have many years to enjoy it, you know? Well, the blessed thing about ours is when we leave here and death comes, that's when we get our inheritance. So death doesn't become a bad thing. It becomes the will by which we get our inheritance. So we just sojourn here. It's ours, it's real, but we don't get it here. We get it later. But yet, you know, Abraham, think about this, how strange and bizarre, again, this is about Abraham. Abraham was a rich man. Tremendously rich. I mean, God blessed that man. Him and Lot couldn't dwell in the same place. They had to get far apart. Abraham had gold, silver, flocks and all that. But kind of like Christ, he didn't have a permanent place to lay his head. He didn't own a square foot of it. His riches were all mobile like he was and temporary. You got that? I mean, Abraham didn't have a root down nowhere. He didn't have a bank to put his money in. He didn't own the property he grazed his animals on. He didn't own the place he pitched his tent on. You talk about a sojourner just passing through, and yet the very ground he was on was promised to him from the Nile to Euphrates. Isn't that bizarre and ironic? So he was blessed and rich while he was sojourning. And that's my point. If you're a child of God, we are so blessed. Here and now. We don't have to wait for the inheritance to be blessed. It's ours now. We just haven't possessed it. But we enjoy the blessing of it now. We are rich, are we not? In the things of Christ here and now. And going to be richer. What does the Bible say? Heirs and joint heirs with Christ. The best is yet to come. As Abraham couldn't pass on what was given to him, neither can we pass on what's given to us. If we could, we'd be giving everybody eternal life, wouldn't we? What we do give is the gospel, the light, the salt, and we tell of a God who gives. We tell of a God when we proclaim the gospel who gave to us and that will likewise give to you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, and you can have the same inheritance that we're going to have. We live by faith, looking for that heavenly city, not looking down at the earth, not looking at things here to accumulate, but looking by faith for that city that will never be taken away for the riches therein. So we have so many things in comparison with Abraham and inheritance. And I want to say this to you in conclusion. If you look through the Bible about an heir, inherit, or an inheritance. It's always talking about one group of people, God's people. The righteous, the blessed, the saved, the believing. You won't, if you find it, tell me. I haven't found it and I look pretty hard. 
The Bible says nothing about the inheritance of the lost. The inheritance of the wicked. The inheritance of the unbelieving. And you know why it doesn't? I've already told you the answer. Because what is an inheritance? It is an act of God's grace. And God has no grace for the wicked. No grace for the unbelieving. No grace for the rejecters of the gospel. Only punishment. The Bible makes it clear in the Old and New Testaments. I'll give you these scriptures because my time is up. In Psalm 37 and 9 and verse 22, the Bible speaks of the effect about how that to save the righteous, God's people will inherit the earth and inherit these promises and things. But it simply says concerning the wicked and unbelieving, they're going to be cut off. See, it couldn't be, if it was going to be an inheritance to the unbelieving, it'd have to be something good and gracious. And there is nothing good and gracious for the wicked and unbelieving. It's all reserved for God's people. Bible says in the New Testament, Paul saying to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, that list all those heinous sins, perversions, all kinds of depraved, wicked things that men do. And he says, such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been saved, you've been sanctified. And he says, regarding those things, people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. When you read about the works of the flesh of sinners in Galatians chapter 5, again, will not inherit. So there is no inheritance for the unbelieving. And I want, to th- I want you to think about this sobering statement as we close here. You've heard it said, you know, you really own nothing in this life. And in reality, when you sift that out through the Bible, that's really true. We got deeds to property, we got deeds to cars, but we're still told what we can and can't do with it. We don't have total sovereign discretion over anything we have here in this life, do we? Really, we don't. Abraham had in this life exactly what you and I really have. If you want to talk about really owning something in life, you know what it is? What did Abraham really own in this life? A cemetery. Remember that? I thought that's what you said. I thought I saw your lips move there. Abraham didn't have a place to bury Sarah. God gave him that all that land, but he couldn't at his own discretion decide where to bury Sarah. He had to with his own money go and buy a portion of land, Genesis 23. And it became the burying place for his wife, for him, (laughs) and some of his descendants. And you know what you and I really own in this life? The place we'll be buried. That's the only spot that's really going to be ours. Think about that. Is that not sobering? Because everything else is dissolved. You'll own the spot where your earthly tabernacle will live. A burial plot. I want to close with a story that just so reflects this and is so true about an inheritance. I've heard it down through the years many times. I'll try to be quick here. There was a wealthy man, very wealthy man. 
He had a lot of art, valuable art and stuff. He had one son, a lot of assets. He had one son, and he loved that son dearly. And the son was nothing supernatural, spectacular or anything. Just he was his son, an ordinary son, and he loved him with all his heart. And the son died at an early age and somewhat unexpectedly. And the father was so grieved, so he had no heir. The father was so grieved over this that it, in a short matter of time, the father died also. So here's all the inheritance and no heir. So it was deemed that the wealthy man said that when, his, when he died, everything would be auctioned off. So everybody gathered for the big auction since he had no heir. And uh, especially all this artwork that was of great value. So the auction was ready to begin, and it was stated in his will that the first picture or whatever to be auctioned off was a picture of his son, whom he loved so dearly. Well, the picture was nobody of great imp- the son was nobody of great importance. It wasn't painted by somebody of great importance, so they couldn't get nobody to bid on the picture. The auction was at a standstill. Finally, an employee of the man bid a very small amount, let's just say a dollar, for the picture of the son because he not only loved the father, but he loved the son too. But again, the picture itself worth nothing, really, you might say. So, the man bought it, the servant. It was sold to him. When he got that picture, the auction stopped because it was deemed by the man, whoever cares enough for my son to buy this picture, all the rest of it goes to him. Now, the moral of the story is, that's the picture of God, Christ, and the inheritance that he gives. If you have an inheritance today, the only one that's really an inheritance worth anything is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you don't have an inheritance. There's no inheritance waiting you. There's only the punishment for your sin. So I think that's just a remarkable story. I apologize for taking extra time to tell it. But it certainly reflects Abraham's inheritance and our inheritance. That if you love the Father, you've got to love the Son. And if you love the Son, and the Son is your Savior and your Redeemer, you got an inheritance that, and I'm not being cute, but it's true, out of this world. If you're lost today, that inheritance can be yours in Christ. Because none of us who have that coming were worthy of it. God in His grace sent Christ to die for sinners such as ourselves. And in Christ, we have an inheritance. What a blessed thought.